You're listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBT plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at www.newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week we're going to be talking to Ruby, who sits on both adoption and fostering panels, meeting people at that stage of their adoption or fostering application. Hi, Ruby. Hello, how are you? Thank you for coming to talk to us about behind the scenes at um, panels. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and how you got involved with panels? I've been involved in panels since 2014, so that's about six years now. I came to adoption panels mainly through the fact that uh, I adopted uh, my youngest child quite a while ago. I can never remember how long ago it was. Um, It's quite bad because I always have to introduce (laughs) myself at adoption panels and I will say I adopted uh, my son and I can never remember. Now I just say several years ago, but um, (laughs) he's now eight and he's 13 months, so um, we can work out the maths later. That was the way I got into panels, but I actually um, saw an advert on New Family Social's website from a local authority who were looking for LGBT plus um, adopters to join the panel. So um, I kind of jumped at the chance because it was something that was quite different from what I do in my normal day-to-day job. So you applied and what was the application process to become a panel member? You had to have some experience or expertise in adoption and fostering. And also there had to be a two-year gap between the point that you actually adopted your child to actually join you. So you couldn't adopt a child and then join panel within two weeks. So there was a very clear gap. Um, but that was the main thing, that um, you had some expertise or um, experience of ad- adoption and fostering. Okay. And then you later went on to join some fostering panels as well, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah. There's some similarities when you're looking to approve new foster care as you go through the same paperwork that you read and you go through the same process of asking questions. But also we um, deal with annual reviews. So foster carers have to come to annual reviews on a 12 month basis where you go through how they've actually been over the last year, but also have the attended training. They have quite a big um obligation to attend quite a lot of training and to have unannounced visits um, so there's you have to make sure that um, the foster carer has done that in their first 12 months and if not why so it's quite different and also it's quite varied fostering panels because you have um, approvals for kinship care and also special guardianships as well kinship fostering requires um, an arrangement with the local authority keeps the local the legal responsibility over a child so it can go to a family member but the local authority has the legal responsibility over a child whereas a special guardianship um, allows the foster carers to take full parental responsibility for a child so there's lots of different kind of legal things that you actually agree in a fostering panel as opposed to an adoption panel. It sounds like it's really varied. Um, can you tell me about the first time that you were on panel and what that was like? Oh, God. Um, well, I've been on both sides of the table at panels. But when I went to my first panel, I remember feeling really, really out of my depth. And I felt like a right fake because the panels are made up, whilst I said they're made up of people who have experience of adoption, such as adoptive parents, uh, people who have been adopted and adopters like me. There were um, also medical advisors were there and also social workers were there. So we had quite a few retired social workers. And I felt really intimidated by the fact that I knew nothing about social work and I felt um, that I was just coming as a parent 
So I was really nervous at my first paddle, but the the members there were absolutely brilliant and they kind of took me under their wing and they were really welcoming towards me. And they made me feel comfortable enough to like ask really obvious questions to them because there's there's jargon and everything and you get a lot of social work jargon. So um, I used to ask some very obvious questions, but um, it was really scary at first and having that responsibility because there's an immense amount of paperwork you have to read as well and you can't just skim it. So you have to give yourself the time to read the paperwork work because it's a serious job that you're doing and I took it quite seriously in terms of making a decision or recommendation of whether someone should be approved to adopt or if a match with a child should be approved so it it was a very scary process and quite different from what I usually do when I um, work charities in the daytime. It's interesting that you felt quite unconfident that your experience of adoption gave you something to bring to panel Um, I know that you and I have talked before about one of the other strengths that you bring is your experience of social exclusion. And I just wondered if you could say a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, my whole career has been working with um, socially excluded communities of very vulnerable adults and children. But that's probably a reflection of my own marginalisation. I'm an Asian woman. I'm a lesbian. I came out in my mid-20s. I've got tattoos, um, which is probably non-conformist I do like to be a bit of a rebel so I do like my tattoos um, and I'm probably not the kind of person you would expect to see on panels because I think people have a very fixed notion of panels and what they look like and how they are a very very formal process but they are include very diverse people from different backgrounds and different experiences that also includes people like me. Thinking back to when you went to panel as an adopter hoping to be approved how did you feel and how was that for you? Gosh, um, it was quite intimidating, actually, because whilst I'm used to doing presentations and speaking in front of people, I hate it. I hate doing it. Um, But when I walked in the room with my partner, um, it was quite scary. I I don't even know how many people were sat around the table. Um, They could I don't know. It felt like there were like 50 people sat around the table. There probably weren't. There probably like 10. Um, But they all were just sat around a table. And I just my mind just it was a very small room. And my mind just kind of went blank. And I had to really hold it together because they were literally just all staring at me. And it was really scary because they all knew the ins and outs of my life. And I think some of your um, speakers on the other podcast have talked about it as well. And so I felt quite exposed that everybody knew everything about my life from birth. Uh, to to my the present day so it was quite scary and unnerving to walk into a room um, where complete strangers knew everything they could possibly know about you and were going to make a decision on whether you could be um, an adopter or you could be matched with a child so yes it was um, you feel quite vulnerable. And so knowing how vulnerable you felt how do you use that experience now that you're on panel and how do you sort of put people at ease? I try and I think it's really useful that I have sat on on the other side of panel and um, I make sure that adopters, foster carers and are always aware of that. Usually um, the applicants get information about all the panel members in a room when they're waiting to come into the meeting. So they get little pen pictures of, of all of us to make us sound a bit more human. But I do try and make them feel at ease um, uh, on some occasions when I um, have chaired panel meetings I go in and see the applicants beforehand and I have a chat with them and tell them about my background but I also tell them that look 
it's not a job interview because some people just treat it like a job interview. You get that kind of nerves, which is how I treated it. Um, it's a conversation between between us all. Just take your time. If you don't understand a question, come back to it. But like, it's really a conversation. Don't worry if you get nervous or anything. But, you know, and I try and tell them how many people are there. I try and tell them, you know, uh, the questions that we're going to focus on as well to try and prepare them as much as they can before they walk into panels. But I try and make them feel at ease as they possibly can because it really is a conversation there is no like points or or scores that you have to pass to get through it it's really a conversation with the the applicants to see whether you know the panel will think that we could recommend them and the panel take it seriously and they try and make people feel at at ease but it is very very difficult and I try my best to make them feel at ease by cracking a bit of a joke and some of the panels are very good at making applicants feel at ease and we get feedback on that as well in terms of you know how how the applicants have found panel members as well. How does it work in terms of when do you receive paperwork um you know how much time does it take you to read that how do you how do you yourself figure out what you want to ask? For all panels we usually get the paperwork one to two weeks in advance we usually get the perspective adopters report and the paperwork there and that's quite um a comprehensive report on the applicants including medical but the questions that are asked in there are very are very good so um we read the information about the applicant's family the history um from from when they were born and the parents and their childhood we read about their education and how they found schooling we read about um, any medical issues that our medical advisor or panel might then take forward questions. And we also read about the motivation to adopt. So why do they want to adopt? Um, what has brought them to the panel on that day? There's also questions about um, what type of child they would consider. And so we can get a feel for whether um, they've really thought this through. And there's also equalities questions, which is something that's quite important to me. You know, how what's their approach towards um, sexuality, basically for me, um, race and also trans and gender identity issues. So I always pick up on those ones as well. So we do do look at all the reports and all those areas that are covered. And if there's any gaps, we ask and we probe a bit more because, of, you know, and it's never a bad thing because, you know, people think, oh, my God, I, I had depression a few years ago or I, I have depression now. And that's never, never a bad thing because usually it's something to show, well, actually, you're showing some resilience and acceptance that actually I've got depression, but you know what? I'm taking some medication, I'm getting some counselling and I'm dealing with it then. And so it's really good for us to see things about how resilient people have been um, during their lives um, especially with trauma and, and any losses as well so we usually ask questions around um, their motivation to adopt what kind of child they're looking at their support network is always really important because when you have a child certainly my experience of um, when we had a child it's like you've got a bomb going oh my god what do I do with this um, so it, it's really important that, you, that people have really strong support networks and we kind of um, question them about that and find out a bit more about who would be their go-to person an emergency but it really depends on on what's written in the the report really and you know uh, what gaps there are and we talk about the questions at panel and agree what questions and how they're going to be worded at panel. And what for you is the hardest thing that you have to do? I guess everyone's always curious about you know how often you turn people down you know is it is it once a month you turn people down is it one in ten is it very rare and what kind of things 
would lead you to that or really what the other big challenges are for you the hardest bits I guess it's quite rare in the six years that I've been on on panels it's it's quite rare that um I've been on a panel and we've turned someone down it has happened and it's not pleasant but you can't just turn someone down because you don't like the look of them or you have a gut feeling that they're not going to be great you have to actually evidence the reason why you are not recommending them for approval as much as you have to have strong evidence of why you're recommending an applicant for approval you have to have strong evidence for why you're not and so it's all evidence-based and fact-based so whatever questions you ask will form your opinion and it's not pleasant it's really tough and it's really tough for an applicant to hear that I think usually what I, I have done and on the panels that I've sat on is that we've deferred decisions um, pending more investigations and more assessments on certain areas and so that then they've come back to panel and then we've talked that through and they're usually approved what I've learned at the sharpen is um, when we've agreed something as a panel and then a child has been placed with a person or a couple and then that that placement has disrupted and as a panel member I take that quite seriously and um, I take some ownership of that because I was part of the decision-making process where I made a recommendation and we try and learn from those disruptions and we try and find out what went wrong what could we have done as panel members to maybe ask more questions it's a real challenge for us when things disrupt because that's that for me, just as a person, is really heartbreaking knowing that a child's been placed and then it's not worked out and then the child has then removed and put back into foster care. And that's that's um, a very sad thing for me as a panel member to, to hear. And um, certainly uh, my colleagues on panels have also um, think the same. We try and learn from that all the time and we try and put that work in that learning into our work and our questions, which, you know, I must say all the panels do. It really does sound like a huge responsibility to try to predict the future, really. Is will, will this person or people cope as adopters or foster carers? Will, will they be able to do this? And then when that child's matched with them, like you say, if it does go wrong, I guess you would be looking back and thinking, could I have foreseen that? Could I have known? If I'd asked something different, could we have got to the bottom of that? Yeah, yeah. And to be quite honest, um, Disruptions will happen, unfortunately. They're part of life um, in, in adoption and fostering, which is really unfortunate. But I think, yeah, it is like, should I have asked that question? And certainly some of the learning we've had has really helped us on, on one of the panels. We had um, a meeting with um, someone who ran disruptions in the local authority, and it was fascinating how they actually spend the best part of a day on a disruption. And like, you know, the, the uh, people who sit around the table is fascinating. And then they talked us through that and it's taken very seriously by by them and they talked through what they could have learned in, in the process. So it's a really big thing because nobody wants disruptions to happen and they are few and far between. But when they do happen, it's devastating for all involved, not just the child, but also the adopters and, and everything. So it's really, really challenging. And, um, you know, whilst it does happen, unfortunately, we certainly do um, on a, me on a personal level we'll try and do everything I can to make sure I ask all the possible questions I can do at panel no matter how uncomfortable it would be asking the question and also making the decision I think it's it's my role to do that but I guess on the flip side of that you must see some really joyous moments people forming their families and maybe forming their family again you know more children coming yeah it is really really nice it is lovely to see people come into panel um, for a match 
a match is when a, a person or a couple are matched with a child and they come to panel just for that approval and then they start introductions and so they usually come in really buoyant and they come in with like little photo books and stuff which is lovely for panel because we can get excited and a photo of the child which a few have melted my heart quite badly some of the chairs don't let us see the photos at the beginning because we kind of lose the plot and just forget to ask the questions. And so we're not allowed to see the photos until after we've made a decision. But it is a really nice feeling to, to see the excitement and also the connection to the child that the, the, the individuals have not necessarily met in the flesh. Some of them have seen them on DVDs or photos and they've come to life through talking to foster carers and stuff like that. And it's amazing to see the connection and also the uh, commitment to a child because there are some it's a rocky road even for the applicants when they come because there could be court processes where birth families step in and say they don't agree with the adoption and they have to wait. So it's been a roller coaster for the applicants as well. I have a lot of respect and it's really it's really an honour to see the the kind of excitement of the applicants when they come into the room. And sometimes when I've been chair, I've had the honour of going in and telling them the recommendation that panel have made. And so, you know, it's always a bit of a Brucey bonus when you get a bit of a hug from, from the applicants because they're so excited or they cry. And you can see how important it is because it really is a life-changing decision for for many, many people that come to panel. So, so yes, it, it's, it's, it, that's the really nice side. And on the odd occasion... Uh, when we had some early permanence panels, the, some of the applicants have brought the babies in at the end, and that's just that's just lovely. Um, it, it really, really is a really nice thing to see what we're doing, and you know, to actually see it all happening because we very rarely get to see the end product of the child placed with the family. We we very rarely get to see that. We just hear about it. So sometimes when you see it, it's very exciting, you know, and and quite distracting, unfortunately. But it is nice to see. Sounds really lovely. So what would your advice be to people who are listening to this and preparing for an adoption panel or a fostering panel? Given how nerve-wracking you know it is, how how should they be? What should they prepare? Everyone always asks, what should they wear? You know, tell us your top tips for people coming to panel. I think just be yourself. I think that's the most important thing. I've seen people in suits and being suited and booted, dressed up. I've seen people dressed really casually. I mean, to be quite honest, I, I, if you see how I dress um, when I go to panel, I, I am myself. I wear jeans, I wear my, my Doc Martens and I wear a plain top. Certainly, you know, it, I try and reflect how applicants will look because I think it's quite scary from the other side of the table to go into a panel meeting and see everyone dressed very very formally and some people do on my panels and that's absolutely fine but I think the most the best um, advice I could give to anyone coming to panels be yourself you can't win or lose there's no point scoring done in panels just be yourself answer the questions as honestly as possible Um, that's really really clear don't make anything up because we'll probably see through it and just Treat it as a conversation because we're there to um, make the right decision for you. And if we defer it or we don't make the right decision, it's because we think there's probably a bit more work that needs to be done or a, a bit more assessment. But, you know, it needs to be a real it's a two way process, really, where the applicants need to have a conversation with us and they need to ask us questions as well and be questioning of the panel because every time we say have you got any questions for panel nobody has and that's fine because they probably feel like they've been a rabbit stuck in the headlights but 
I don't know how I can say this, but, you know, panels are really friendly. They're really warm. Certainly the panels that I sit on. And whilst we do ask the formal questions and uncomfortable questions, we do do it in a very humanist way. And certainly when I ask the questions and quite difficult questions, a lot of them have come from my own experience as an adopter. And so we always try and put the question into context and then ask the question so they understand it. Don't be scared of us basically. We're there to help you get through the process and we're there to just fill in any gaps that the agency decision maker may have because certainly panel's role is to make a recommendation and then the agency decision maker who is a senior member of staff in the adoption and fostering um, department will make the final uh, decision in the local authority. So certainly just treat it as a two-way conversation because we're all very, very nice people. We're all got our own experiences of adoption and fostering and you know that that's it we're just very very nice we're quite cuddly like cuddly teddy bears I would say (laughs) (laughs) I don't think some of my pen my colleagues will be happy with that but anyway that's how I see them (laughs) Um, and finally for people who are experienced adopters or foster carers would you recommend that they consider joining a panel Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, like I said, when we started this conversation, I was really intimidated because I didn't think I had enough experience. But my adoption journey is a learning process. Even now, about eight years on, I am still learning stuff with my son and I still bring that to panel. And it's amazing how useful that is, certainly with education at the moment. That's something that's been quite a steep learning curve as a parent but that is something that I can bring to uh, the the panel and also ask questions and bring that expertise and suddenly you know you realize that your lived experience as an adopter is really important at, at panels because you're sitting there with social workers who are very who are brilliant and great experts but they're very process driven which is what I've noticed and sometimes just having like an adopter um, or someone who's been adopted on panel is really good we share that different experience and it really really helps and I think what panels really need are more LGBTQ plus panel members on panel Uh, I certainly have about four panels a month at the moment and seeing same-sex couples is is pretty normal now in all of those panels so we do need more people from New Family Social to come on and I do um, share that information with New Family Social in terms of any vacancies but certainly if you're an adopter or foster carer have some time to spare to have a look at uh, becoming a, um, a panel member because it does make a massive difference because more and more of our communities are coming to want to adopt so we need to start reflecting the communities that we are we are working with as well so I would advise anyone to think about it it's a great job and you get paid for it as well so there is some some monetary gain in it all as well so that helps it's a great it's a great job I love it because it's so different from what I do I love it because what I learned from my 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 son is is used in the work I do in adoption and fostering and it's it's just amazing it's really an amazing job to do and I love it Thank you so much for giving us the behind the scenes view of panel. Thank you. I'd like to thank our guest today, Ruby. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at www.newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. 
We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea. Thank you for listening.